Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Uh, I hope that you'll bear with me. I hope my voice will last this day. I was uh, doing some work yesterday and uh, started coughing and hacking and and um, don't know what's going on, but I, I feel like I've got a, a frog right here and I... And uh, <clears throat> in any event, uh, just bear with me, and uh, and uh, we'll we'll get through this together. I got to give a shout out to my wife, though. Uh, yesterday afternoon, we had planned to go do a little fishing, take the kids out to the to uh, to the island and go go fishing. And um, you understand my wife, you know, she's more on the indoor side of things. And uh, when I've taken her fishing before. It was truly a one-man show. One man was baiting all the hooks and all that stuff. You get what well, you get. My picture yesterday. She uh, she cut her own bait. She put it on the hook by herself. And would you bet she was the only one that caught any fish? So, doggone it! So. It hurts your pride, man. It really does, because just the way it is. Well, I tell you what, we had fun with our kids yesterday. I, and you know, you, you, you like me and your parents. You, you love weekends because it's valuable time to spend with your children. One of the one of the first things you ever do with your kids, though, is the ability to name your children. It's like one of the very first parental acts that you get. And if you're like us, like most parents, you look through all the books, you think about all the names in your family. Uh, you, I mean, you do all the crazy stuff. You even look at like what the letters of the initials would like spell, making sure to avoid any mistakes there, right? Because like for me, my, my initials on my name spells out the call of a crow, C-A-W, call, call, and Chris Allen Woodard. So, I mean, I got to live with that for the rest of my life. And, and so you, you spend all of this time trying to figure out how to name, what, what significance could I give? And, uh, you know, for our, our children, same thing. Uh, my, my wife and I, we thought about names with, with, with significance and, you know, do we pick a name that's been in our family? I had a grandfather whose name was Elijah. We also, you know, we, we like the meaning of the name Elijah, the prophet from the Old Testament. It means the Lord is my God. And, and so we, we just like that name. So we figured we would kind of honor, uh, our, our family members by that. My daughter, her name, uh, her name is Sarah. And so Tiffany's grandmother's name was Sarah. So we get to do that. And it's a biblical name as well. And, and so we, we kind of, think about all that, right? And, and, it's, and it's pretty cool to have that opportunity. Have you ever thought about it, guys? Every single one of us in here, the name that we have, we didn't get a chance to pick it out. Every single one of us. The name that you have, it was given to you. That's what we call it a, a given name. A given name. It's what you were given at birth. You did not get to choose your name. Have you ever thought about that God never had his name picked out for him? Being the self-existent, eternal God, he chose because of his authority and who he is, he chose what he was going to be called. And now we get to the third command where he asks us, excuse me, commands us, to honor the name 
that was His. Let's stand together and, and, and let's kind of give that last moment to stretch our legs, right? We're going to read a short verse, but it's in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. You know, names are important, right? Names are. God is declaring to us His name is incredibly important. We we think our names are important, and I, and I believe they are so because you know it's one of the reasons why we get up tight when we don't remember someone's name. Do you, do you, I get up tight. I, I you know I drive myself nuts. I can remember a face or whatever. I just can't remember your name, and it's kind of embarrassing too. We get in those moments because we don't like to just to hey you, hey pal, hey bro, whatever. We like to be called by our name. God wants us to call him by his name, but we're going to use his name appropriately. He's commanding us here. So we're going to examine this verse a little bit more, but before we do anything else, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we begin to call on your name, God, we pray that as we look through this, this blessed text, and, and understand that what, what you mean for our good, sometimes we, it, it seems like it may be cloaked in negativity, but God, I believe every single command that you've given to us, it is meant for your glory, and it's meant for our betterment. And it's meant, God, not, not to bind us, but Father, this is to free us. And Lord, I pray that as we look through this word together, all of us, God, all of us just kind of examine the way that we've been calling you how we've been calling and what we've been calling you by. And see for ourselves, Lord, if we've been regarding your name as we ought. Father, may you bless the reading of your word and this sermon and its preparation and it is now being delivered in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The uh, growing up, when you're learning about the Ten Commandments, you, you probably learned the, the the King James version. Is you know we see it on the on the uh, on the posters in our Sunday school classes, or you see it up in, in you used to see it up in the public square or in schools, what have you. Thou shalt not take the name of thy God in vain. As I have mentioned to you over and over in an abundance of texts of Scripture, whether it's in the original Hebrew or the Greek, when you look at that original language, and if you kind of take the literal interpretation, sometimes it kind of opens up the, our understanding uh, of the text. And that's no different for this third command. If you look at the, if you're able to, to <clears throat> look at the Hebrew text and have it transliterated, this is how it would read. You shall not lift up the name of uh, the name of the Lord your God for nothingness. That's exactly what the word vain means. Have you ever heard someone say, "Well, I hope you know, I hope that their death was not in vain." It means it was for nothing. Or I hope that I didn't do all of this work in vain for nothing. But the Hebrew text is telling us, "You will not use His name for nothing." It means that every time we are to speak, and, and listen, we have been created to speak the name of God. Let me tell you about a Hebrew tradition that kind of illustrates that point. The name Yahweh, we, we call it the uh, tetragrammatron in, in theological terms. You don't have to write that down or anything, but, but it's, it's the letters Y-H-W-H. 
And, and it was, in, its, in, in, in Hebrew tradition, they thought, well, it's really unpronounceable. You, there's not a way to even say it without just getting it wrong. And the closest that the Hebrew scholars could tell us that, that, that we could even speak it right was just by kind of a breath. And even that may not be correct. I heard one guy say, and, and he went a little bit overboard later on in an explanation, but I think his basis was correct. He said, you know, just our, our living is our ability to say the name God. Life begins when we speak the name of God. And our physical life comes to an end. That breath... When we're no longer speaking that name of God. We've been created, we've been designed to use God's name. But God says, I don't want you to use it for nothingness. So in your notes, I kind of came up with a, with a rule that I think it really encapsulates a, a good way to just think about uh, how to use this command in, in a way that, that means that when we use it, when we use the name of God, that it would be worthwhile. Think about it this way. When you speak the name of God, it must be commendable to who He is and what He does. Okay, Who He is and what He does. If we use God's name in accordance to the things that He has done, if we use God's name in, in accordance to who He is, and I, I've, I've got a pretty sneaky suspicion that we've used His name for something and something good. In, in your notes here, I just listed just a few things. I mean, we could have filled up uh, papers worth of answering the question, well, what has He done or, or who is He? But let me give you three very, very quickly. Number one, who is He? Relative to us, first of all, he's self-existent. He is self-existent. In Exodus chapter 3, I have a text down there for you. Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall uh, speak. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 4. How did that happen? That wasn't going to be right. <laughs> Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. They ask me, Well, what is his name? Well, what am I going to say to these people? God? Look at verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. I, I, I just, I'm it. And say this to the people of Israel. I am Meaning, meaning existence. He has always been. I am that I am. It ought to give us a little clue also when Jesus came and in the Gospels, we have these seven I am statements. He is identifying himself with God. I am the, the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. All those I am statements speaks of perpetual existence. He's not only self-existent, he's also a redeemer. He's a redeemer. Praise God. He's a redeemer. Turn, turn with me to uh, Psalm chapter 106 and, and verse 8. Psalm 106 and, and, and verse 8 talks to, talks to us about his name and who he is being a redeemer. Psalm 106 and, and verse 8. Bible says, yet he saved them. Talk about you and I. He saved them for what? For his name's 
sake, that he might make known his mighty power. His own redemption is for the glory of his name. Number three, he also possesses all glory. Same, same book there in the book of Psalms, but we're going to Psalm chapter 8 now in verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When we talk about God and who he is, I've given you the top three reasons why his name is a really big deal. He's always been, always will be. I am that I am. And by his son, he has redeemed you and set him free for his name's sake. And he loves the glory of his name. That's just who he is. Now let's talk about what he's done for us. As if his own existence isn't enough for us. Number one, he's our creator. Genesis 1 verse 26 says, Let us go and make man in our own image. You know what? I'm so glad God said that. Because... I've seen a lot of faces in my time. And I'm glad God didn't say, I'm going to create Chris Woodard look like that dude. God, he's, he ain't good looking. Well, I know I'm not either, but still, I'm glad that I was made in the image of God. You were made in the image of God. It's not just something to celebrate, but it's something also to contemplate. Your very existence, as I've already mentioned, relative to the speech of the name of God, and uh, and an eternal God, says, I'm going to make you. There's a lot of theology that could be derived just from that one concept, from that one verse, Genesis 1.26, what it meant for an eternal God to say, I'm going to form you to look like me, my image. My image. I'm going to I'm going to expand that a little bit towards the end of our time together because I believe it may, it's it, it, it can impact us in a very positive way. Number one, He's our Creator. Number two, He has provided salvation. He has provided salvation. You know, even in in the early church, oh, they understood the value of the name of the Lord rather than salvation. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, they write, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other Redeemer. There's no other God. No, there's no other name by which a man or any person could ever be saved. There's no name. Nothing. In Romans chapter 10, we are taught very simple salvation theology for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When you call upon the name, you're calling upon something very special, something unique, something that it means something big. But listen to this. God's will, as it were, His desire is for us to use His name. Because as as, uh, the book of Romans also says, how will people know to call upon the name unless someone goes and tells? 
In the book of Philippians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, 11, you know those verses very well. That in the name of Jesus, every tongue, will, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. Listen, that Jesus is Lord. We were made to confess that Jesus is our Lord. We were made to use it. We were created. So when we talk about this little guideline or rule, if you will, when we speak the name of God, it has to be commendable to who He is and what He's done for us. If we sing the song, count your many blessings, name them one by one, then we have a lot of reasons, good reasons, commendable reasons, how we could use the name of God, do we not? But sometimes we muck it up, don't we? Sometimes we don't get it right. So let me talk about ways that I believe you and I, I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about the church. How do we typically mess it up from time to time? Let me give you three things. And, and, and again, I, I'm just here to teach. I, I don't want to, I'm not pointing fingers, blaming, naming names, whatever. I have been guilty of all of these. And, and no doubt you will find some guilt as well. So we're just kind of all on the same boat. Can we just agree to that? Okay. All right. Let me give you three major reasons uh, or, or ways that we take the Lord's name. Number one, our words. Uh, listen, we know the swear, the big swear word. We know that's a, that's a bad deal. But sometimes just using the name of God, OMG, oh my God. That's just as guilty as saying the really bad things. Why? Because we're saying it with nothingness. We're saying it not ascribing worthy or honor to God. We're saying it because someone's just surprised us with whatever. We've heard some news or we got excited or oh, OMG, LOL. Praise the Lord. There's, using the cliches with, with no significance attached to it. That's, that's part of how we can take the name of God in vain when we... Don't think about that name and as it transverses to our tongue and from our mind down to our tongue and out of our mouth and we just kind of have an empty use for it. Merchandise, oh my, I, you know, I, I'm so, I don't know, I get distraught sometimes um, with the way that Christians can merchandise things. Uh, I don't know if you got swept into it. Don't, don't raise your hand or nothing, whatever. The whole prayer Jabez thing that was out about 10 years ago or so, everybody was prayer Jabez this. It was printed on everything. I mean, literally. I was at a Christian bookstore, which remained nameless. They had prayer of Jabez breath mints. I walked up to the counter and I said, ma'am, she said, have you found anything? I said, no, I haven't found what I was really looking for. Said, what are you looking for? I, I'm looking for prayer of Jabez underpants. Do you have the... She looked at me like, I, I, I think I had really offended her. I didn't mean to, and I was probably a little bit overboard or whatever. My, I was just kind of like, really? Does it have to be imprinted everywhere? You see, sometimes in our good gestures to make much about the name of Jesus, we turn it into things that it shouldn't be turned into. God is my co-pilot. That, that bumper sticker, go ahead and take it off if you got it or the license plate. You don't need that, I promise you. Um, that's just, yeah, it's just kind of not good. The whole T-shirt thing. I found a couple of T-shirts. I got pictures. I'm going to show you. Can we show one of the pictures? It looks like the Reese cup thingy. Jesus, King of Kings. What's the, what's the next one? This is my, this is my favorite. Jesus meant to die for you. Now I believe that folks who wear this stuff, maybe you've. I'm not. I'm not condemning Christian T-shirts. Okay, I've worn them before. 
But sometimes we can cross that line to where an important message becomes overshadowed by sensationalism. Do you understand my point? You know where I'm going with this? Where the what catches my eye is not the significance that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I don't know about you, but I'm just all I can think about right now is getting a Mountain Dew because I am so thirsty. So that's how it's used for nothingness, you see. Now, there are plenty of t-shirts. There are plenty of bumper stickers. There's plenty of signage and publicity that we can use God's name for in appropriate ways. Yes, you just have to be discerning with it. I think one of the areas though, that you and I probably mess up more than any other is our prophecy. You say, Pastor, you're calling me a prophet? Well, we all have prophetic stuff come from time to time. And, and here's what we'll do. We'll do something or we want to do something or whatever. And we'll, we'll cloak it with this one phrase. It'll, it'll proceed with, with this one phrase. You ready? Well, the Lord told me to blank. Really? Lord tell you to do that? Lord really tell you to do that? We'll get it wrong. And here's why we'll get it wrong sometimes, because this is just a fundamental truth. I don't need to proof text it. You just know that what I'm about to say is absolutely right. God won't tell you anything to do that is contrary to his word. Okay, we, we, just, we just know that. But there have been seasons in my life where I will struggle with just being in the word as I ought. There's two people that know that. One is you, the other is Satan. He knows when you're not in the Bible too. And he also knows when you're down and out. He also knows when you're weak. Emotionally, he knows when you're struggling through something. And he will love to wed those two and give you a directive as if it's from the Lord when in fact it was never from the Lord. He's done that to me. He has told me to say things, do things, when it was, it was the worst thing I could have ever done or said. I, I've heard people when, in my heart of hearts, I was trying to do something good, but Satan knew, what, Satan knew how to pr- press a per- person's buttons, and he used me to do it. And he drove a wedge in a relationship. Has he ever done that with you before? Has he ever caused you to, to, to tell you to do something that takes you out of his service or away from his people or something contrary to his will? God will never do that. He doesn't call you away from his people. He doesn't call you out of ministry or, or whatever completely. We have to be careful. Why is it? Well, why do we have to be so careful? Well, his name signifies his essence. It's just who he is. When we use his name for who he is, we're attaching, you know, it's kind of like the good housekeeping seal of approval. We're saying that we want to put God's name on what we're doing. God says, wait a minute, in my essence, that's not what I am or, or what I've done. Don't use my name for nothingness. My name means something. It is by my name that you have been saved. The negative part of this verse says that, well, you're going to be punished. He says that the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, what's, what's interesting is that the Scripture's kind of silent on giving us any more info on this. 
I like what one commentator wrote. He said, the punishment for breaking this command remains unspecified and therefore uh, could, in theory, take any form of God's choosing from something relatively minor to even death. In other words, it's we just better not do it. Let's not take our chances on this, right? And so when we use the name of God in a proper way, we can think of it like this. We could kind of think of it as trademark property. Right? We're, we're in such a litigation society. It's not strange for us to read the news reports about someone using a brand. Or even, it was this past week, I believe, I read about a high school in Jacksonville area that was, that had, um, kind of hijacked or was using, uh, was it, uh, Arizona State University's logo or something, I believe it was. And they got a call and said, hey, you got a, a cease and desist order. Why? Because that's a protected logo. God's name, listen to me. God's name, if you think about it as something that is protected, think of it like this. God has given us a repair manual. It's a sacred book. His copyrighted repair manual, the Word of God. It's for humanity. He has graciously allowed the church to use his name to anyone who, 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 will, be, uh, who will use it according to his written instructions. It needs to be understood, however, that God's name has not been released into the public domain. They don't have the right to use his name as you and I would. God retains legal control over his name and threatens serious penalties against the unauthorized misuse of his valuable property. The trademark violations will be prosecuted to the full limits of the law. So that brings us to a really good question. How can I use it? How in the world can I use his name? Martin Luther once said, and he said it well, use that name in every time of need to call on, pray on, praise to, and give thanks to God. Our scriptures are replete full of great examples of how we can do that and how to emulate it. Psalm 29, verse 2, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Psalm 66 and verse 2, sing the glory of His name and make His praise glorious. Psalm 72, praise be to His glorious name forever. Uh, Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. We got a ton of stuff that we could say, I was teaching a lesson, a Wednesday night lesson on the Ten Commandments years and years ago. And afterwards, the lady in the audience, she came up to me and said, Pastor, you've told me what not to say. What am I supposed to say now, right? And I hope that your vocabulary isn't that bad that I have like depleted you of 50% of the things that you can't say anymore, right? But maybe, actually, maybe I have added more to your vocabulary because you've got so much to be thankful for. And every bit of thanks that you can give, God does not mind having his name attached to the blessings that you give him credit for. So let me, let me give you some things very quickly to, uh, uh, to, to think about, about the, the reverence for his name. Number one is this. God's name represents His grace to us. It really does. God's name represents that name by which we were saved. We were not saved by any idol. That was in command number two. Any other God, command number one. We were saved by God. His name, when we see His name, it just invokes the images of what He's done for us.
So yes, it is his grace to us. Number two, God's name represents his authority to us. His name represents his authority. Authority in matters of living, yes, but also in matters of protection. Now remember that I said earlier on, you and I were given names. We didn't choose our names. God chose his name. I want you to think about that idea when I read to you this text in Psalm chapter 121, verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. You see, he's a self-existing, imminent God. By imminent, we mean close, near. By imminent, we mean next to. By imminent, we mean he is with you. Never leaves you, never forsakes you. So think about that when we have those moments of temptation and we're lax in our thinking and we're about to use his name for nothing as he's standing right there. He's going to hear it too. He's got his authority over you. You know authority. Authority is nothing to be scared of. Authority is nothing to, to run away from. Authority helps us. Shapes us, guides us, protects us. Not only is His grace, His authority, but number three, God's name represents His presence with us. His presence. One of the sweetest texts of Scripture, we we have probably a list. If you were to, to list some passages of Scripture that just mean a whole lot to you, Psalm 23 would come to mind. John 14 would come to mind. I think some would probably even put John 15. And John 15 comes to mind when I think about his name representing his presence with us. Just listen as I read this very precious uh, text of Scripture. John 15, verse 1. I'm the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. In verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. There's a lot of things I've experienced emptiness in in my life. 
We've all experienced the empty gas tank. We've all had probably empty hearts. We know what it's like to, to not be full of joy, to have some, something incomplete in our joy and happiness. But yet the Word has just declared to us that our intimate presence with God and His name signifying His presence with us, He is promising to us that our joy may be full, complete. Now, I mentioned to you earlier that we're not to use His name in vain for nothingness. And there's a contrast here between nothingness and fullness. I don't know about you. I don't like being on empty. I don't like, listen, I don't like going down the highway and, and that gas light comes on. You start, we call it running on empty. Sometimes we experience life that way, do we not? By running on empty. We'll use that, te- we'll use that phrase. It means we have nothing left to give. Our lives, we just, we're running on fumes. You don't like to do that no more than I do. And God says simply this. I'm proving to you that I'm a God who is imminent. I am near. I am with you. So when you talk to me, talk to me properly. Why would I want to speak of that glorious name by by anything else? Or any less means than what it was intended. Why would why would you? Why would I? Now I thought about a passage of scripture. Sometimes you have questions about the word and then you just read and like, oh, there's there's your answer. Why does God just do so mean why does he make so much about his name? And and us, why does he want us to make sure that we use his name properly? Isaiah forty three verse one. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Don't take my name in vain because I have called you by your name. And if you are redeemed, covered under the blood of Jesus, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to use your name properly on that day. But in the meantime, when you speak my name, use mine correctly too. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father. Oh, how much you have done for us. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, your glory, your magnificence, we will never understand it fully this side of heaven. But in that meantime, God, you have told us explicitly, God, how we are to call upon you and we do it in appropriate ways. And rather than just a a big rule that controls our speech, Father, it is only a reflection of how much you love us. For you know our name. You've called us by our name. And if we are redeemed, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It will be our name whom you will call on that day. And if you, God, regard us that much, How much then should we regard yours? Father, this speaks to the value of your relationship that you desire to have with each and every one of us. As a matter of fact, all three commands that we have looked at, it has demonstrated your great desire to have an unhindered, presence and fellowship in our lives. You tell us no other gods, no other idols, no other words. God, sometimes that's hard to do. Lord, we have so many things competing for our affections and our worship. God, would you forgive us? Every head bowed and every eye closed. All these commands They're not just rules. I mean, they really aren't. It's a reflection of God's desire to know you and for you to know him. And we can only do that through the blood of Jesus. You can only do that by being saved. Say, Pastor, how in the world can I be saved? How can I have that relationship? that you keep talking about. It's very simple. All you have to do is confess the Lord Jesus as your Savior, asking Him to forgive you of your sins. You've got to admit who you are. But that's why He died on the cross, that He may save you from your sins and give you eternal life. He died for you because all of your sins demanded payment and Jesus took that payment for you. All you have to do is call on him. Invite him into your life, making him your Lord. I mean, your master, the guy that you're going to follow for the rest of your life. And your savior. That's all that it takes. And I don't want you to make this mistake. I don't want anyone, no matter if you've been following the Lord for decades or if you need to come this, this very morning to receive Jesus as your Lord and savior. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you don't deserve it. Don't make the mistake of thinking that there's, he doesn't love you that much. He does. Don't make the mistake of thinking that, well, others are going to look down on me if they see me come down an aisle. They won't. They're going to rejoice with you. And so, Father, for any 
who are here this morning that needs to receive Jesus as their Savior, Father, may today be their day of salvation. Father, I pray that they would come. For those who are hurting, may they come. For those who are searching, may they come. For those who just have questions or doubt, may they come. For those who need time just with the Lord, may they come. Father, we give this time for you. May your will be done. In Jesus' name. Let us all stand.